You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you tonight. What a blessing it is to be here as we uh, celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray and uh, let's, let's go before him in worship and in prayer. Father, thank you so much for tonight and Lord, allowing us the opportunity to come and to gather and to uh, just uh, recollect the amazing story of you sending your son, Jesus, to be born, um, Savior of the world, that we can rejoice tonight with the wonderful truth of hope that comes and fills our hearts, that no matter where we find ourselves, Lord, that hope is, is an anchor to our soul, and we can rejoice in that. So may our hearts be open to just enjoy as we read your word, that it would just grab a hold of our attention to focus on you, and we... We give you thanks and we praise you to be able to celebrate this wonderful truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us
That's why we're here. Amen? We're here to adore him. Welcome to Christmas Eve at Foothills Calvary. A little bit different tonight, sitting in a chair. Feels a little strange. Judy told me I should put my feet up on the table, but I think that'd be weird. So I won't do that. Um, thanks to Henry for coming and, and leading tonight. He's from Calvary Church in Aurora. And he's just here to serve with us, and, and he just has this amazing heart for worshiping. And tonight's going to be a little bit different. We're going to do this storyline type, like the, the message and, and the music um, are just going to be together for the whole evening. And, and if you want to stand and sing, you can. If you want to stay seated, you can. If, if you want to kneel, if you want to come up to the altar, you can. Um, the whole idea tonight is that we'll just have some family time together. We, we worship the Lord and we get into the word, and we just remember that the story doesn't change. It's the story of the birth of Jesus, and it's something that we do every year just to kind of refresh. It's not about the presence. It's not about the trees and the decorations. It literally is about Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that's the, the, the story we're going to talk about tonight, that, that story that has had an impact on all of us and, and literally has changed the world. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Luke and Matthew, Isaiah, Psalms. Um, usually I don't put the scriptures on a sheet, and usually we don't put them in the slides. And so I thought, well, I'll put it together this year, and we'll see. And Nori told me he had like 60 scriptures and a million slides. So you've got a sheet of paper with half the Bible written on it. Um, you'll get through most of your Bible reading for this next year if we do that tonight. So, um, But this isn't our normal verse-by-verse -verse chat that we do on Sunday morning. I'm just going to walk through the story, and, and really it is scripture-heavy because, well, that's what God's Word's about. Everything in God's Word from the Old Testament to the New Testament is about Jesus. It always points to Him, and it points us to the cross. So the theme tonight, and really the theme of the whole Bible, is for God so loved. And uh, the main theme of the Bible as a whole, God so loved you. Uh, God so loved me. He loves us so much that He had a plan in place. And that plan involved Jesus. As we work our way towards Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, Easter, uh, for God so loved is the theme for Christmas. And, and then on Good Friday, for God so died as he went to the cross. And then Resurrection Sunday, for God so lived. And we celebrate what was done and what was accomplished. But before we get into the word tonight, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for loving us, for having a plan. We thank you for speaking through your word to us and for sending us your son. And Jesus, once again, we thank you for being willing to, to leave the majesty of heaven and to come to earth as a baby, knowing that as you grew up, you were headed towards a cross where you would lay down your life for ours. That your blood shed would bring forgiveness, would bring salvation to us, and that you would indeed die and be put into a tomb, and you would raise again in, in three days, and, and that now you're in heaven ruling with the Father. How do we wait expectantly for your return? Lord, help us to be ready. Tonight, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would remind us of the true meaning of Christmas, that we would solidify our faith in you and, and those that maybe don't have faith in you, that, that you would draw them in, Father. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is Christmas all about? The, the story never changes. 
It's the same story. Every year we do pretty much the same thing. Fall hits, and once again, they did it this year. We don't get past Halloween, and they're already putting up trees and decorations and trying to sell you stuff for Christmas. The buying frenzy starts. Uh, we start thinking about the decorations, the food, savory food, sweet food, family gatherings, end-of-year Christmas parties, recitals. We just pack everything we can right into the month of December. Anybody else have busy schedules? Especially when you have kids, you're just running. Everybody gets kind of Santa mental. <clears throat> Sorry, I say it every year, it's still funny. That's the dad joke part of me. The last few years have been a little different for us as we've, we've gone through pandemics and we've gone through riots and political unrest and immorality and deception running rampant and wars and rumors of wars, loved ones with health battles and even the loss of loved ones. Things seem so heavy, but we're not without hope. As I prepared for tonight, once again, the Holy Spirit gently reminded me of the hope that we have because of Jesus. We can so easily get caught up in whatever, what else is going on around the world and get caught up in the buying this and that mentality. And as, a, as a church, we kind of do the same thing as the season approaches. Like we have a schedule and we know what's happening. The decorations come out. And we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, and we've had different types of, of delivery. Like the story doesn't change, but we've done different things on Christmas Eve. This has been the most common, most consistent piece where we, we just kind of have story time and talk together. I would encourage you to do the same thing in your own homes. Read the story together. Talk about it as a family. Different ways to communicate the birth of Jesus, the reality that Jesus who brought salvation to mankind that first song we sang, a call for us to gather, just as they did in, in Bethlehem. Come, all ye faithful, come, let us adore him. Let us gather and let us love and, and deeply respect him. That's the focus. That's what makes tonight's celebration even better. It's a time that we can set aside all the, the busyness and the mess of what's going on around us and we can refresh our perspective. We can renew our hope showing that we love and deeply respect him, the ultimate gift. My thoughts of Christmas have indeed changed over the years, pretty much. We've talked about it. I, I am the incarnate of Grinch or Ebenezer Scrooge. <clears throat> but God's done a work on my heart, too. And there's a reason for that. Now, Pam, man, Pam loved Christmas. She saw these trees. She saw the decorations of the church. It would just make her smile. And she always reminded me that it's that, that beautiful uh, picture frame, those decorations, those lights, uh, even the gifts. Uh, it's all surrounding uh, this, this picture, and, and Jesus is in the center of it. I wrote in the last newsletter for the church about how much she did love it. And I watched her last year walk into the sanctuary. Uh, I watched her smile as she saw the decorations and walked her down here to her seat, and uh, she worshiped the Lord. One hand on her cane, one hand raised in the air, just worshiping, praising God. That, that gentle smile, tears coming down her face. She was worshiping her king. She was worshiping. That's what we need to remember. That's why we're here. 
my favorite services are Christmas Eve and Good Friday, and man, I love Resurrection Sunday. They're all connected, and they give us that ability to, to have our sins forgiven and, and to celebrate that, to celebrate the fact that we have a restored relationship with God. I thought the birth, the life, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no hope. I think the world feels heavy now. Can you imagine it without the hope of Jesus? For God so loved. Through the birth of Jesus, we have hope and peace and joy and love. And you and I have heard John 3.16, and most everybody in this room probably could quote it. We tend to stop at verse 16, but verse 17 puts an exclamation point on his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's the exclamation point. For God so loved you, he sent his son, Jesus, in the form of a baby. That's amazing. That brings us joy. That brings us hope. It should bring excitement and passion in our lives. And we just kind of get into that motion of we're just doing the next thing. We should be living our life with passion and excitement. So the main question tonight is, what will you do with this amazing gift that God has given us, that God has sent? What will you do with Jesus? You see, in the fullness of time, God sent a, an angel to Zacharias, a, a humble little Levite priest who ministered before God in the temple in Jerusalem. And appearing in a vision, the, the angel foretold the birth of John the Baptist, who'd be sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. And with the coming of his forerunner, the, the first stirring of the Messiah's own coming was announced. Luke 1, verse 17, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This statement in, in the Gospel of Luke echoed a prophecy from 460 years earlier. Malachi 4.5 says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Also found in Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth the desert, a highway for our God. Prepare the way for the Lord. That was the cry then, and it's still our cry now as we await his return. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. For many centuries, the promise of the Messiah had been there, but now that ancient hope was renewed, and a sense of anticipation was awakened. For the opening steps had begun. The Messiah was coming at last, and the world would be forever changed. Prophecies long dormant were springing to life before their very eyes. It's estimated by scholars that Jesus brought the fulfillment of, uh, well, over 300 prophecies. Some say 200, some say 400, one says 500. The reality is over 300 prophecies were fulfilled, and that's something to be excited about. All because of the birth of a baby on a silent night. Silent night Holy night All is calm All is bright Round 
child Holy infant so tender and mild Sleep in heavenly peace Sleep in heavenly peace Shepherds quake at a sign. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ, the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God. Love's pure light Radiant beams from thy holy face With the dawn of redeeming grace Jesus, Lord, at thy birth In the sixth month, the angel was sent, and this time to a young virgin named Mary, who was a spouse to Joseph in the house of David. Luke 1, 28, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. That word espoused from this morning, betrothed. It was a stronger version of our modern concept of engagement, and though it was less an actual marriage. But because of this, Joseph had not yet known Mary intimately. In Mary's genealogy, the seed of David had been preserved, and through her espoused husband, Joseph, the claim to David's kingdom, which had fallen long ago. The child that she would bear, uh, the two parts of God's ancient covenant, would then come together once again in one person at last. In Psalms 89, verses 3 and 4, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. You, you see, as we read the Gospel of Luke, we see that, uh, that he wanted those who would read this letter to see he had accurately researched Jesus Christ. He had, he had looked at the prophecies. He wasn't just saying something. Remember, Luke was a physician. So we can draw to a conclusion that, that he was detailed and his investigation was extensive. I, I would say he even carefully studied and interviewed all the people that personally knew Jesus. He, he put together all the information before he began to write. You see, God wants us to understand that the Bible contains his truth, 
It can be trusted. All that he declares from Genesis to Revelation can be trusted. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Even tonight, Christmas Eve, it's a reminder of the power of God's word. Hebrews 4.12, we quote often on Sunday morning, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. The gospels aren't a collection of religious fairy tales. They're a source of eternal truth. God's revelation uh, of himself and how we can have that intimate relationship with him. And as we look at ancient times, the arrival of a king, it was heralded by a forerunner. Uh, that way the subjects of that king could prepare. They could get things cleaned up and fixed up and make th the kingdom look the best. And the cities would have great festivals and everything would be cleaned so the, the king would see it and be impressed and see his domain at its best. When the king of kings came to earth, the same was true. John the Baptist, in the spirit and power of Elijah, he was there to prepare the people for the coming of Jesus Christ. But like Elijah before him, he bravely and powerfully proclaimed the truth of God's people's need for repentance and salvation. In our humanness, as we talked about in our study of Peter a while ago, we tend to think that if we believe in God, if, if we accept Jesus, then all the pain and discomfort leave. Wouldn't that be nice? Something for all of us to remember, though, is that God uses some of that pain and, well, he uses that discomfort to keep our eyes focused on him. If things were really easy, if everything was good, would you rely on him as much? The favor of God is worth any discomfort it might entail. The Lord chose Mary to give birth to the Savior of the world, but she also had to bear the public shame of people not understanding what God was doing through her and was going to do through Jesus. The cry of the people for a Messiah, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, Jesus is Emmanuel. He is not a partial revelation of God with us. Jesus is God with us in the fullness of his glory. And he came on now to see oh, as a holy night where there was acknowledgement of his birth and a call for us to fall on our knees and, and to worship. Little did they know how truly divine this night would be. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is a night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin ever pining. Till he appeared And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope 
places for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh hear the angels voices Christ was born Oh night Divine Oh night Oh night Divine Truly taught us to told how the child would inherit the throne of David, his earthly forefather. 
Luke 1, 32 and 33, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The, the visitor told Mary she would conceive and give birth to a son whom she was to name Jesus. The Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua means Lord saves. He would be no ordinary child. He would be called the son of the most high. A carbon copy of his father bearing divine nature. God would grant him the throne of his father David and he will indeed reign forever in his kingdom. Thus Jesus would be the fulfillment of Old Testament promises of the coming son of David, the Messiah who would rule forever and that encourages me that gives me hope it should encourage you it should bring you hope jesus is reigning now and forever and as we talk about this tonight it's to think to go back and study those prophecies that have been fulfilled it's an amazing study it brings so much hope the prophet Isaiah foretold this in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and the na his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David or over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's not just an accidental thing that happened. God had a purpose and a plan in it. And he went forward with it, with zeal and purpose. Of course, Mary was confused by the proclamation from the angel. How could the angel speak of her giving birth when she was still a virgin? How shall this be, she asked. And so the angel foretold the virgin birth to her in verse 35 of Luke 1 the angel said the Holy Spirit will come upon you the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for this reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God Mary of course was blown away by this the child would be conceived by the Holy Spirit therefore Jesus would be both divine and human the, the God man Theologians describe this as the hypostatic union, the, the combining of divine nature and human nature perfectly into one person, God in the flesh. Thus, he would be called the Son of God. For three months, Mary stayed with her cousin Elizabeth. That's John the Baptist's mother. And when she returned to Joseph in Nazareth, her pregnancy was, well, beginning to show a little of a review from this morning's message in Matthew 1, 18 through 20. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follow, and his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, well, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then, then he continued, verse 21 through 25, she'll bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the, Lord, through the prophet Behold, a virgin will be with child. 
she will bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Translated means God with us. Joseph awoke from his sleep and he did as the Lord commanded him. Took Mary as his wife, kept her a virgin until she gave birth to the son and he called his name Jesus. This morning we studied about Joseph hearing from the Lord and that speaks to our relationship with God and and that question comes back again. When God speaks, do we listen? Do we have the depth of relationship with God and, and understanding of God in such a way that we would obey? Joseph didn't walk away from her. He was compassionate. He was caring. He was obedient to God's direction, knowing that there would well, there would be ridicule. It would not be easy. And he didn't have relations with her until after Jesus' birth. Jesus was indeed born of a virgin. Love incarnate. Love divine was about to be born. The first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep Noel, 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 Noel. Born is a king of Israel. They looked up and saw a star shining in the beyond the fall and to the earth it gave great light and so it continued both day and night no the King of Israel, Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. In a world full of trouble and doubt, human hearts yearned for peace, yet it ever eluded them. For true peace begins with God, and it was beyond their means to achieve it. Comfort and joy, darkness and dread hung together in a balance. Only the Lord himself could tip the scales in their favor. On behalf of a lowly man came a lowly yet sinless Savior to redeem us all, to bring forgiveness, to bring reconciliation with God. In times of great peril, the peace he gave us would arise from within himself. 
the nation stirred with trouble as his coming drew near. Luke 2, verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and a census was to be taken of all the inhabited earth. Everyone was to be counted. Everyone was to be taxed. Everyone was to go to their own city. Joseph was the, from the house of the family line of David. Bethlehem was David's hometown. Verses 3 through 6 of Luke 2. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. The prophet Micah foretold of Christ's birth in Bethlehem in Micah 5.2, As for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth from me to be ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. Verse 7 of Luke 2, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And given the number of travelers at this time, there were no guest rooms available, so she resorted to laying the baby in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. The king of creation who deserved all honor and glory had been born into the humblest of circumstances. Luke 2, 8 and 9 says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out of the fields. They were keeping watch over the flock by by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. Luke reports yet another angelic visit this time nearby shepherds watching that flock they were watching over them these are the shepherds who carried uh, cared for the lambs that were for the sacrifice in the temple in jerusalem that unexpected and glorious appearance of, of the divine visitor it terrified them it probably would terrify any of us but he brought good news good news of great joy Today in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah. Can you imagine receiving that? Israel's Messiah, her anointed and appointed king, had finally come. And God chose to announce his son's birth, not to the political or religious leaders of the time, but to a group of humble shepherds. He would be Messiah for all the people. He would be offered as a sacrificial lamb like those who, well, they cared for by these very shepherds. That was his purpose. He was born, and the angel told them, he was born for you. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and I. He was born. Verses 10 through 14, I look to, and the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, a great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there appeared a, an, a, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. 
Well, this fulfilled the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 44, 23. Shout for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into shout of joy, you mountains, O forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob, and in Israel he shows forth his glory. We see in this story how it continually connects with the Old Testament the power and strength and the depth of God's word. Luke 2, 15 through 19, the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds began to say one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told about this child and all who heard it wondered at these things that were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. After an announcement like this, it's no surprise that the shepherds hurried off to find the baby. I think we would all go to look in a manger. They wanted to see this wonderful thing that had happened for themselves. Can you imagine the shepherds? What glory now their eyes have seen. Oh, whoa, did you see that? I saw that. Did you hear that? Hey, let's go. Let's go check this out. I mean, not just the power of the message and the messenger, but confirmation. Off they went, and they found him where the angel said, just as they were told. Afterwards, they became the first human heralds of the good news of the Messiah, amazing all who heard the message. Shepherds went back to work, and, but they were changed men. They were different. They would never be the same again. They were glorifying and praising God. Listen, once you have a genuine encounter with Jesus, you're never going to go back. You're never going to go back to where you were. You'll never be the same again. You have that encounter, you're going to make an impact on your family, on your friends, on your coworkers. Anybody that you meet, your lifestyle is going to change. Mary, however, quietly reflected on the events of all the women in Israel. God had chosen this ordinary, humble young woman to, to bring the Messiah into the world. God regularly works through the lowly to fulfill his kingdom program. The Apostle Paul lays it out for us in 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 31. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. The base things of the world, the despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by doing, by his doing, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, not in our own flesh. Let the weak say, I am strong in the Lord. And that with confidence, we, we are to be, as Paul said in Ephesians 6.10, we're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
It's a message for all of us. Whatever it is that we're doing, we're to do it with the strength of the Lord, not our own flesh, not our own power. Mary and Joseph, they couldn't have done any of this within their own power. Mary, as he heard these shepherds, she heard the confirmation of what she had been told and she continued in thought. What would she do with Jesus, the one who would be savior of the world? The question for you tonight is the same. What will you do with Jesus, the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords? Will you not repent and believe? Will you not believe the very one who will reign forevermore? Oh 
challenge every man some who love the things of the world would fear and oppose him nurturing ungodly desires in their hearts while others longed for the day of his coming and the joyous new life that he would bring for those who longed for his coming that shining star meant that that the rising of a king full of truth and grace would indeed one day rule He'd rule the world in righteousness forever. In Matthew 2, 1 through 4, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard of this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. You see, Herod, Herod believed enough in the prophecies to inquire where the Messiah would be born, but his intentions were not to know the Son of God. They were not honorable. Herod wanted to kill Jesus. He was threatened. You see, compromise and sin are very dangerous. Greed and the desire for power can be deadly. This ruler wanted to ensure his stronghold on the Jewish people. Therefore, he looked for a way to prevent the fulfillment of this prophecy. For thousands of years, kings and leaders and their counselors have worked together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And that's Psalms 2, 2 and 3, paraphrased. Quoting from the prophet Micah's writings around 700 BC, the chief priests and, and scribes told, the king, told King Herod that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So Herod secretly called the wise men and determined from them what time the star had appeared and set them away under the pretense, saying uh, in Luke 2, 8, go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me, so I too may come and worship him. Herod tried to be a cunning actor to use his deceptive skills to convince the wise men that he was sincere. Anyone can pretend to love God, but the proof is in the person's character, and Herod's character was sinfully flawed. His real intention was to indeed slay the Christ child, Thankfully, these men were not deceived. The Lord warned them in Matthew 2.12 about Herod, and, and they returned to their own country without telling them that they had seen the Christ. 
Take a look at Matthew 2, 9 through 11. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east and went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming to the house, they saw the child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and they fell on the ground, and they worshipped him, and they opened up their treasures, and they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the wise men arrived. Two common misconceptions here to clear up about the visitors. First, according to legend, uh, there were three wise men. However, we only know that they brought three specific gifts. We don't know how many men there were total. It was most likely there were many that came. Second, contrary to how that scene is often portrayed, and we've talked about this before, the wise men weren't part of the nativity set. You guys got that at home? You got it all. And you got the wise men. I told you, I set the wise men off on a different cabinet. They're still working their way to where Jesus is. Don't get rid of them. They're important. They weren't there for Jesus' birth. By the time they arrived, Joseph and Mary were living in a house. In addition, as we'll see, Herod sought to kill all of the male children two years old and younger. So Jesus was a toddler by that time and when the wise men saw him, not a baby. Matthew tells us that the or their origin was from the east, perhaps the Babylonia or Persia, and they were looking for the king of the Jews. They had seen his star. They'd come to worship him. The Greek term for these men is magi. They were astrologers. They were students of the heavenly bodies. Whatever religious practices they had engaged in previously, when they saw the manifestation of God's glory in the heavens, they responded and traveled to worship the true king. They saw in the heavens the glory of God. Matthew 2, 12 through 15 says, and having been warned in a dream, hmm, speaking in another dream, we talked about that this morning, they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left on, for their own country by another way. And when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, remain there until I tell you, for Herod is searching for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. They remained there until the death of Herod. That was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. So since the wise men faithfully sought the Savior, they received inside information. They were warned in that dream about Herod, and they returned in another route. And Joseph, too, he listened and obeyed what, what God had said. We talked about that this morning. Are we willing to obey when God talks to us? He received further information and understanding. Joseph's life was in check and on point with God. An angel warned him to flee to Egypt with Mary and Jesus for safety. See, here's the thing. When you obey God's instructions as he speaks to you, when you obey him and you respond, he gives you more. He strengthens that. He gives you more information. He's going to help you understand what your destination is. He's going to help you know the direction you're supposed to go. 
And it's cyclical. As we read his word, we, we study his word, we pray and we seek him, and then we go. And we repeat it again and again. That's really what should our, our focus should be every year and throughout the year, and not just on Christmas. It's, it's read, pray, go. Be obedient. Look for and obey God's instruction. Joseph took the child and his mother. He escaped. They stayed there. They were safe until Herod died. Matthew tells his readers that this was to fulfill what was spoken through the Lord, through the prophets in Hosea. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Matthew knew many Old Testament texts and that they pointed forward to Jesus. And in our modern understanding of the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus was a, a touching event with barnyard animals and shepherds' adoration. And of course, the wise men and maybe a camel or two. However, from another perspective, though, the, the countdown of his life was on. For ultimately, God had sent this child into the world for a greater purpose purpose beyond our comprehension yet available for all of us that's how great God's love is for us the birth of Jesus was a battle cry the war for your soul and my soul began hmm, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life Jesus had been born through a virgin by the Spirit of God, making him both the Son of God, the Son of Man, which put him in a completely unique position, being fully human. He could be tempted in every way we were. He could be touched with our feelings and infirmities. Yet being fully divine, he could and did overcome every trial in and, and life. That makes him our champion in a very special way. It's to remember when those trials and temptations come, we look to Jesus. How did he overcome them? By scripture, by the authority of the word of God. We can do the same. But then he laid down his life. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Because Jesus never sinned, he could offer his life in the place of sinners. He would take all of his love, it would take all of his love for this to happen. His soul was greatly troubled. He agonized over the sacrifice that he would make. And though the cost was truly great, his care for us was greater still. He gave himself freely to redeem us all. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him and by his stripes or by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has called the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. That's how much Jesus loves you. Jesus has loved us with an everlasting love. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that same passage offers a challenge. Isaiah 53, verse 1, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For God requires each of us to believe the testimony that he's given of his son, to put our trust in him. That's on each of us. It's our own responsibility. 
After Jesus died, he rose again on the third day, as the prophets foretold. And after his resurrection, he appeared to many witnesses. They had seen the prophecies come true in him. Many of them wrote accounts of his life and his loving sacrifice, his resurrection, what he meant to us through all of those things. As this season of Advent unfolds and Christmas Day tomorrow, as it draws near, our sense of anticipation awakens. As we see the trees, as we see the lights and the decorations, the presents, Really, it is truly that outline of a picture frame, and Jesus is glorified. Jesus is in the center of it all. And while the world falls deeper into darkness, the true light is already shining in our hearts. Christ, the, the risen Savior, he ascended to heaven, and now we wait with anticipation again for his imminent return. The inner peace and the joy that he gives us as we surrender to him, yeah, maybe some of the physical things and the hard things are still there, but there's a peace that we have when we surrender completely to him. The risen Christ, the imminent return, that inner peace, joy, something we look forward to. One day, he's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to heal our bodies. We're going to have a new body. No more broken knees and backs will be perfect in his presence forever. So that question, what will you do with Jesus? You've heard. You know now it's your responsibility. What will you do with Jesus? Something that all started with a baby. They longed for the birth of the Messiah, and he came and, and lived a perfect life as a human being, as a man, going to that cross, beaten and bloodied, dying for your sins and mine, going to a tomb where he laid three days and rose again. Do we understand the depth of what happened? All because he loves you. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. He sent his son. How will you be different going forward. Come to Christmas. It's a great focus. Christmas Eve service. I love it. Get us back on track with our eyes on him. What will you do? What will be your response to this amazing gift that God has given? Will you share this gift with others? You know, those of us who are, are followers of Christ, and believers, Christians, we get that gift and we kind of hold it. I got my granddaughters. We're going to do Christmas in the morning. I know what some of the things they've got. I know where it's going to go. It's like, mine. <laughs> right? You know, well, let's share. Mine. Don't do that with Jesus. Yeah, he's yours. Give it away. Who else needs to know? Will you share that gift or will you keep it to yourself? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this precious gift precious gift, Jesus, born as a baby. Thank you for the, the freedom we have tonight to gather on a, a cold winter evening to worship you, to, to get into the word, 
have fellowship with other believers. God, I'm just so, I'm so encouraged tonight. I'm, I'm so blessed. God, we're so blessed. Those of us that have received that present of, of Jesus, of salvation, Lord, help us to take it to heart. Help us to, to be present. Not just this Christmas, but help us every day to, to love a little deeper, to extend a little more grace, to hug a little longer, to be present. I thank you for the hope that we have. Would you use us, use us, Lord, to bring hope to, to everyone that you bring across our path. And our faith is not just something we do that's a religious thing. That's a genuine relationship. It's living and breathing. And even if those circumstances don't change, we know that you bring us peace, that you guide us and direct us that you walk with us. So Lord, draw us closer to you. May our eyes and hearts be set on you, not stuck on the circumstances of what's around us, but on you and the hope that you bring. Maybe tonight you haven't received that precious gift whether you're in this room or you're, you're watching online, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night to receive that gift. Tonight's the night. It's, it's simple. We, we repent. We, we ask for forgiveness of our sins and we turn from those sins. But, but just remember that God doesn't expect you to be all cleaned up when you come to him. You just surrender your life. Then you take a day at a time and God takes care of the rest simplicity of the Bible, it says that, that we just need to confess and believe. Confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. That's all you need to do. And then you'll be saved. It's ultimately what Christmas is all about. It's salvation. You just need to have a simple conversation with God, a, a conversation from your heart to his heart and and if that's you, I'm just going to ask everybody, heads bowed, eyes closed. If, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I simply confess and believe. I'm sorry for my sins. And I turn from them. Forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose again three days later. And I, tonight, accept that gift of salvation. And I'm asking that you would be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. The challenge for all of us as believers as we walk into maybe family situations tonight or tomorrow or this week, as we have Christmas and we close out the year, our challenge is for us to be genuine followers of Christ. Just be an ambassador. Be an encouragement. Don't try to beat Uncle Joe over the head with your family Bible. <laughs> Just love him. He may or may not accept Christ this year. That's okay. Let him see that you're a follower of Christ and that you love him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand as we worship our way out of here. And um, God bless you guys. Love you. Merry Christmas. And... Uh, we will see you next week.
a strong save and in your mighty name king of heaven come you are strong to save you are strong to save in your mighty name king of heaven come you are strong to save and in your mighty name king of heaven God bless you. Merry Christmas. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website, at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.